Welcome to Conversations from the Collection, a Newcastle Art Gallery podcast. This podcast was produced on the land of the Awabakal and Waramai people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I'm your host, Zana Kobayashi, and each episode we'll be diving into a new collection area of the Newcastle Art Gallery to uncover hidden stories from artists who have contributed to the significance of our diverse collection. In this episode, we speak with Japanese ceramic artist Kenji Yuranishi from his home in Brisbane. Kenji moved to Australia over 18 years ago and the freedom he experienced away from his home country allowed for an exciting shift within his practice. Kenji works with porcelain to create intricate, patterned works inspired by the natural world and architectural forms. I first met Kenji in 2019 when he was part of Newcastle Art Gallery's exhibition Sedacia Connected to Australia. And in our conversation, you'll hear Kenji refer to the Sedacia movement and some of the founding members, such as Kazuo Yagi, Hikaru Yamada, and Osama Suzuki, who developed the avant-garde movement in 1948 and radically shifted the focus from functional to non-functional ceramics in Japan. This was an inspiring conversation where Kenji spoke about the two identities he now exists between as a Japanese artist living in Australia and the importance of long-term thinking to overcome failure when working with an unruly medium such as ceramics. When I was little, you know, school education in Japan is very different to Australia and I was probably overwhelmed and I wasn't really fitting in that situation. So I ignored homework a lot and uh, I still wanted to do something towards the people. So I often go to stationary shop uh, on the way home, you know, from the school. And I, I buy, you know, cardboard with a graph on it. And I just chop the cardboard and make some sheep or, you know, tank, that kind of thing. And then take it to the school. And then show, you know, present my self-initiated homework to people. And then in my class, there was a shy little girl came to me and uh, she said, I'd love to take your work home, can I? And I said, yes. And that was the moment I thought making something and then share with someone is the one. You know, I found my space by doing that relationship. Mm. And then... Uh, but at that time, uh, you know, the school is not really focused on art. I can't remember <laughs> what we did except uh, study and uh, sports. High school also the same. There wasn't really a program encouraging people to be, uh, you know, kind of artistic. I think people can be surprised about how um, academic focused Japanese schools mm. are, you know, like mm. the very little children are working very hard, yeah, you know, long hours, hard. they go to school, they go to after school, yeah. and it can also be hard to be outside of that. It was difficult, it was, I mean, constant. Now I think about it, I had probably constant anxiety when I was studying in that class because I was always behind, because I didn't do homework. So it goes just behind pretty quick if you don't do it properly. And uh, how I survived was just to make something and be happy. Most of 
people except me went to the after school school. Do you need to study that much? <laughs> mm. And how did the idea of going to college for fine art come about in your world? So, the end of the high school, you know, a lot of people start talking about what you're going to do next year. Are you going to uni or are you going to work? And、uh, some of my friends started going to after school art school to learn drawing for the entering exam for uni, art college. And I said, Is there such thing existing in the world? <laughs> Because I didn't know anything about it. School teacher never mentioned about art school. So a few friends and I joined that school. I You know, worked hard to understand how the pencil drawing works. I wasn't the best pencil you know, drawer, but I was really interested in learning. And then someday there was a clay model. You have to model your own foot. And that day I thought, this is really fun. And I realized that I really like three dimensional work. Just like I was doing when I was little, you know, in my.、Uh, yes, with the cardboard. Yeah, with the cardboard. And、uh, I said to school teacher, I want to do some entering exam for art college. And that was why I, I could enter、uh, Nala College of Art, Fine Art. And that was the beginning of my,、um, you know, art practice. I truly didn't know much about art. So. Uh, that, that was probably a good, good thing because、um, my brain was fresh, nothing to lose. And、uh, when I started learning ceramics, I chose the ceramics because of that experience of the you know, tactile clay relationship. And、uh, I didn't know much about ceramics either. I, I knew you know, ceramics, you can make pots, cup, and plate. but... Never done it before. So, even the、uh, first bisque fired piece was already a wow moment for me. And that was big enough for me to say, I'm going to do this for whole life.、Oh. <laughs> so, that was really good for me because the、um, majority of the time you're just spending time with clay. So, understanding the relationship, I mean, the behavior. You know, of a clay is very important, and、uh, at the same time, talking about contemporary ceramics, so balance was for me, it was perfect. And I was completely into、uh, Saudasia movement, deed, and I became big fan of Kazuo Yagi's、uh, work. That was the experience, you know, from uni, you know, Saudasia movement. Became part of my、uh, practice. Can you tell me what it was about the sedation movement that you really identified with?、Mm -hmm. And when I was successfully entered art college, I didn't know anything about contemporary side of you know, ceramic scene. So I've never seen anything like that. Just you know, sculpture you know, with clay. Which is a very simple thing. But what they've done, especially Kazuo Yagi or another favorite artist is Hikaru Yamada. 
and uh, Osam Suzuki, those people's work was just something I've never seen. Your body instantly kind of respond to their, their work. And I was fascinated, you know, why this work is so interested in communicating with my body, almost. Mm-hmm. So that was a mystery, and uh, that's why I like it, because um, there's probably no clear answer, so it's, you can keep going to search your own version of it. Mm-hmm. After you uh, left university, you started your own studio, Ken Kobu, yeah. in Nara, and you exhibited uh, across Japan, um, but you were working mostly in stoneware. Is that yeah, right? I was into stoneware, kind of coarse, earthy clay, and using that clay to make some coil building or slab building structure, and uh, more organic, I, I guess. I've done anagama, you know, wood firing. So I was really into that kind of earthy stoneware style. I just loved it. And at that time, I was teaching ceramics to people. And I was in a group called Shintocho. And Shintocho is a, it's a bit like after Soudesha movement is over. Some of people from Sodesha still wanted to exhibit their work, so they formed a new group called Shintocho, and I was in that group. So that was really a special opportunity, and I learned a lot. I was like a little little boy just hanging around in that group. <laughs> I was very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. When you join a group like that, do you have meetings? Do you have exhibitions together? Like, how structured is it? It was actually quite simple, but busy, because um, we've done exhibition in Nagoya and Mie Prefecture and Tokyo as well. And uh, they were experienced artists. They, they always know what to make, but I was sometimes, I, don't, I didn't know what, what to make. It was some kind of pressure. And I really had to overcome the situation to relax. But sometimes I failed. <laughs> In the kiln, when I'm firing, you know, just cracks and some, some good stuff happened as well. So, yeah, good balance. <laughs> I think ceramics is a, it's quite a risky medium. And there's a lot of room for failure outside of your control, yes. whether, you know, inside the kiln. Yeah. Is that something you've had to get used to in your, in your practice? Yes, it was difficult um, to become, you know, ceramic artist. I think you have to have some, you are not perfect. You know, you will fail. Doesn't matter, kind of, you know, mentality. You keep going, doesn't matter. Next one might become good. But this kind of thing can be very hard for some people. I, I learned how to have long-term thinking working for the archaeological site. Yes, I wanted to talk to you about that. So this was during your 20s, is that right? You were part-time on an archaeology site? Yes. After art college, there was one year of just purely becoming digger for the archaeological site, hand digging every surface. So 
that was a very memorable experience for me because um, in Japan there was a, you know archaeological site everywhere, especially Nara. Nara have got so many artifacts underneath of the rice field mainly. And uh, when I was digging, we found a few coffins. One was undamaged, and that was an amazing experience because um, you could see the artifacts was beautifully organized, and pots and knives, and uh, maybe 50 meters away, I found some little fire pit with a stone seed in the middle, and next to it there was a stone arrowhead. Wow. And that was a wow for me. Finding coffin was amazing, but that's for the dead people. The little fire pit was for the people who were there alive. So I felt, you know, oh, there was actually people were there, you know, living and eating and hunting. And that moment I thought, this is why we are here. So that kind of experience gave me a long-term thinking. I'm just a little one within a really, really long time period. I saw that you had written that you hoped that uh, one day somebody would have that experience with maybe something that you've made. Mm -hmm. They can (laughs) dig it up and find. (laughs) That's how I started thinking about it because um, making process is always exciting, you know, making art. But sometimes you feel like you're doing just homework, (laughs) almost. Just making because of that opportunity in front is there. But actually, from that experience, I think realized maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I have to think about it a bit more long term. So my work will be more from myself. That's kind of giving me courage to finding my own language using clay. Mm. Takes time, I think. Mm. Mm. I think that's an important lesson that many people (laughs) could, Mm. you know, apply to their life in all different kinds of ways, actually. Yes, it's really hard to do. So in 2004, you made the move to Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. And what prompted your decision to leave Japan? <laughs> and <laughs> I did a ceramic class in Japan. And at that time, there was a few people came from America or, you know, somewhere overseas inviting me to a party. And at that party, you know, there was a lady called Sonia, you know, from Australia was there. And now, you know, she's my wife and uh, she had to go home so I decided to move to Australia. That's beautiful. But I didn't know much about Australian ceramics at that time. Mm. But I think that was a good opportunity for me to just isolate from my country so I can focus on my own practice. Yeah, I wanted to ask you how you felt moving to Australia affected your practice. Mm, mm, Is this mm. when you started working with porcelain? It's interesting. I kind of wanted to become like a newborn baby, you know, just isolate from my own country. And I just go to Australia and then I have to accept, you know, what is there. So there's no point, I thought, to prepare. 
Sonia was very organized in the valley in Brisbane. There was a gallery called Fusions Gallery. And then Stephanie Outreach Field was working for that gallery. And Sonia said, you know, my my uh, partner, Japanese man, coming to Australia, so can, can he have exhibition? And she said, yes. So she arranged exhibition with Mitsuo Shoji, who is a Sydney-based Japanese artist. So we had a joint exhibition first week of my Australia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what an introduction. So I sent some work from Japan, which I used for the Shintocho group exhibition. And behind that gallery, there was a shed hiring studio. So I hired that studio and there was a artist called Mel Robson, Australian ceramic artist. And she, she said, Genji, why don't you use porcelain? And I said, ah, oh, yeah, nice. Uh, so that was, that was enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to use porcelain now. <laughs> <laughs> because she was making yeah, beautiful stuff. And Australia was so bright and everything felt really new for me. So I was so kind of drawn to the light and the beautiful nature. So porcelain felt like a good combination. I didn't know much about porcelain, so I actually just started kind of fidgeting with the porcelain clay and uh, started rolling and made a lot of thin slabs. And I started cutting like when I was little, you know, the cardboard mm. paper craft. That was the beginning of my um, slab building piece. Oh, that's so interesting that it relates back to yeah, suddenly cardboard. Yeah, suddenly back to my uh, primary school <laughs> era. And that kept me going for uh, even now. I, I'm enjoying that process. I can't not enjoy <laughs> Just so much fun. Mm. Mm. Yes. So your work is it's often described as um, architectural, you know, mm, it has mm. uh, those very geometric forms and lots of repetitive patterns. But I've heard that you actually draw a lot of inspiration from nature mm -mm. as well. Yes. You know, where I grew up, I've got a lot of temples, old buildings, and uh, I was always fascinated by repetitive pattern. You know, if you go to temple, you see the soffit and uh, Tongan groups, exposed, you know, timber structure, something, you know, I always kind of drawn to. And I also spent a long time in the nature when other kids were studying. That process probably gave me more confidence, actually. And uh, Australian nature was, for me, shocking because I've never seen those type of tree before you know in the, I mean never been to rainforest so my um, experience in Australian nature gave me another level of appreciation for the nature and also uh, Nara was pretty low-key town all of a sudden in Brisbane there was a high-rise I'm calling this town New York but you know <laughs> so many high-rise for me and that kind of thing fascinates it me and also started comparing you know man-made architecture and also nature and then uh, when I saw something beautiful your emotional response there's sometimes no language for 
that experience. But I was fascinated by kind of imagining emotional response into a form. You know, music have got some emotional response into rhythm or melody. And I thought we must have, you know, internally must have something responding to the shape. And light is also very important in your work. I read somewhere mm. that you said your work is incomplete until the element of light is added into it. Can you tell me about that relationship? Yeah. I kind of don't want my work to feel like this is a complete piece. I've, I made this and this is what I've done because it's kind of short-term kind of approach. Myself is not that important for me. The work and also someone else's relationship is more important. A lot of people said, oh, Kenji, why don't you put uh, light in, uh, in, in your work? And I said, yeah, that's a good, good idea. But actually, um, you know, never done it before because, you know, once I made this work, the work itself has to have its own life. So someone else create new relationship with that. And that's the beauty of, I think, relationship with the shape. And uh, hopefully when they put my work, you know, near the window or somewhere the light can entertain, gives them a special moment. And that, that's the purpose of it. So I'm not orchestrating, you know, lighting. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask you about how you begin the process of creating a work. Because I've heard that you're quite lo-fi. Lo-fi. You don't use a lot of technology. Technology is like a cause of headache for me. So I'm I'm really yeah analog kind of person. Some stage I try to learn how to draw three-dimensional design on a com- computer, but clearly I wasn't the right fit. <laughs> it just didn't work. Mm. So, what I do, you know, often you have some special moment and you kind of memorize how you felt or try to memorize what you observed. And I try to really hold that emotional response. Some memory keeps coming back. Or maybe I can create this emotion into shape. And then when you felt like that, you, I do, you know, really quick drawing, usually straight onto the table, just using pencil and no pressure. So I just draw really simple lines. And then sometimes I, I leave it for days. And as you work, sometimes those drawings just disappears and gone. But sometimes some particular drawing just keeps talking to me. And that's when, okay, I'm, I have to do something with this drawing. So sometimes I, that, I translate that drawing into sketchbook. And again, it's so simple, just a silhouette, usually just a silhouette. And then I've got two different techniques. I do slip casting technique and also slab building technique. And then some are suitable for slab building and some are good for slip casting technique. So I decide the technique 
and uh, I prepare the material and then start actually making from the real you know rough sketch the beginning of it is just like that very very simple it's very immediate I like mm. that drawing straight onto the table you know and yes. automatically disappears so if you want to do something you have to do something now kind of you know yes your practice has that focus on like transient moments yeah it's communication have to kind of mm. communicate with what you're imagining and uh, sometimes takes time to understand or work that out that's why um, sometimes my idea won't work and sometimes works yeah mm. you seem to have a good relationship with that though you know <laughs> <laughs> which is good not always <laughs> Um, in 2014, you were the recipient of the AsiaLink Artist-in-Residence and you spent 12 weeks in Arita, Kyushu, widely considered to be the birthplace of porcelain in Japan. Yes. What was your experience returning to Japan for this residency? Yeah, that was an amazing opportunity, you know, after 10 years of my new life in Australia. I was having so much fun making slab building sculpture and that was the only technique I was using. I was happy, but that opportunity gave me a new direction because um, the one thing I was interested in was designing some porcelain ware. So I went to um, Modo Maker to talk about my design and there was a amazing master mold maker called Yamaguchi-san. And he said, you know, do you want to learn how to make mold? In my head, I said, well, why? I, I'm asking you to make mold. But I didn't say that. And I said, yes. <laughs> yes, please. And he kindly opened, you know, his factory, you know, on Sunday, you know, just me and him, he showed me how to mix the plaster, which I thought I knew what to do. You know, I've done some plaster mold making before, but whatever he did, everything felt something different, beautiful. And he showed me how to make model as well, carving plaster, you know, you do this, this, and if you make mistake, you do this. And that moment my brain started shifting beforehand i was thinking about flat slab into three-dimensional shape but yamaguchi-san's technique gave me more three-dimensional curve oriented design in my head and that experience was so fascinating so as soon as i came back to australia I just had to keep carving plaster. Yes. And that's what I literally did. And I felt so good and so excited. But I'm still bad at plaster mixing. Somehow, not, not going to be better forever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to visit him again. <laughs> yes, time to visit him again. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, you know, relationship with people affects your... Um, thinking pattern a lot yes because slip casting has become a big part of your practice yes 
So that's why、um, I use slip casting technique and slab building technique at the same time. Yeah, I've got two different skills to explore now.、Mm. Moving forward a little bit, in 2019, you were part of the exhibition Sedacia Connected to Australia at Newcastle Art Gallery. You were one of 10 contemporary ceramic artists from Australia and Japan to be featured alongside the gallery's significant Sedacia collection. What was that like for you? That was very special for me. It was so strange, you know, because I saw those work. In a book or in a gallery in Japan. And I couldn't imagine my work also be part of it. Very special.、Mm. Mm. And we have、uh, two of your works in the gallery's collection we have、uh, Dunpen Fragments and the Pleated Bowl. Yeah.、Uh, can you tell us about these works? These are the, exactly the example of. Slab building technique and slip casting technique. So, pleated bowl is made by slab building technique. You know, roll the clay and make like a pastry and then cut and put together. It almost looks like it's made of paper, that way.、Yeah. The way that you've been able to create these sharp corners. Yeah, it's a bit like a Japanese foldable screen kind of idea. Yes, yes, that's right. And a very repetitive. So, that work strongly influenced by my Japanese background. And Dampen is another good example of my experience with the model maker because、um, without he, him, there's no such work. At that time, I was into looking at the pandanas as well. You know, in Okinawa, there is a pandanas tree, but where I grew up, there was none of that. So, I was fascinated by the structure of pandanas. And I wanted to show some experience from Australia and using my carving technique. And then, the result of that you know, shape became like that. You've said before that that work is also, so I'll explain it to our listeners. They're two distinct hand carved shapes that are brought together、mm. into one abstracted whole. And you've talked about that being a reflection of your two identities, your Japanese mm, mm. self and your Australian self. Do you still identify with that?、Um, there's always two different identities for me. When you speak in Japanese, you're a different person. And when you're speaking English, you're another different person. So there's always two characters kind of communicating to each other. and Sometimes I feel like, oh, where, you know, where's my home? And、uh, I think that kind of、uh, subtle shifting identity is just not gonna stop. So that's kind of made some of the work, you know, have got two different shapes put together. Yes. Yeah. Or two different, you know, techniques communicating each other. And that's kind of giving me another level of, you know, life experience. So, Maybe I can have more deeper language into my work, hopefully. Yes. Well, I think your work is your other language, I guess, you know, your other way of communicating to people here、yeah. in Australia, perhaps.、Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Kenji san, we have、uh, reached our final question for our interview today. If you could have dinner with any artist from Newcastle Art Gallery's collection, who would it be and why? 
Ah, so many artists in your collection. Too many artists. But I, I think I have to say、um, Kazuo Yagi because、um, I've never seen him, but I see myself and him into a very small izakaya in Kyoto and just having nice conversation about. I want to hear how he f e e l about current you know, ceramic scene. Yes.、Mm. Yes. So he was one of the founding members of Sadesha. Yeah, that's right.、Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I、uh, really enjoyed speaking with you today. It was such a wonderful conversation with you. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Conversations from the Collection. If you'd like to know more about Kenji or his works in Newcastle Art Gallery's collection, there are links in the show notes or you can visit the gallery's website at nag.org.au. Make sure you join us next week as we talk all things video and new media with the amazing Joan Ross. Working in these new technologies is actually quite hard to do. And often when I finish them, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> But you've got to, you've just got to be so brave. You've just got to be prepared to learn a lot and, and for it to be quite painful. <laughs> Conversations from the Collection is a Newcastle Art Gallery podcast. This podcast is supported by the New South Wales Government to create New South Wales. If you enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe, and share us with your friends.